Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins, a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and sacred scriptures, along with information on topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview those who are in charge of the First Friday Club to hear more about this coming year's presenters. We will also look at the life of St. Raphael the Archangel in our series on Saints for Healing, as well as reflections on the readings for this 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more coming up on Wineskins. In our Bishop's Corner, we will welcome Dave Schmidt. Joining me now is Dave Schmidt, who is the Director of the Office of Pro-Life, Marriage, and Family Ministry. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you, Father. I'm happy to be here. You know, I know the dignity of life, as many of us understand it, is threatened in Ohio because of this proposed new amendment. Let's briefly talk about that and tell the folks what that's all about. There's a number of groups that are uh, in favor of abortion rights in Ohio that have formed a coalition to try to pass an amendment to the Ohio Constitution. The interesting thing is that it would amend the Constitution in the very place that other rights are, such as the right to freedom of religion, the right to freedom of speech, and it would make abortion a right equal to those, which in and of itself should be disturbing. R.J. Mangan, our Director of Peace and Justice, and I have been collaborating on this, and as R.J. points out, you would think that if you're going to amend Ohio Constitution, it would be a right to health care, not right to a specific... I mean, even if you want to give abortion the benefit of the doubt and call it a medical procedure, why, you know, why would you put a medical procedure in that place in the Constitution? So that's a little curious to start with. But of course, we as Catholics, in our recognition of the great value and the great gift of life from the moment of conception until natural death, this disturbs us particularly, this would enshrine death into our Constitution. And of course, you know, we as Catholics believe in the dignity and sanctity of all human life, born and unborn, from conception to natural death. Another segment of what is troublesome is that it does affect women in many ways. And many would say it puts women at risk. Why does it do that? And these are things that existed under Roe versus Wade, because the other side will say, oh, well, this will restore abortion rights under Roe versus Wade. Well, that's deceptive in and of itself, because it would go well beyond Roe versus Wade. For instance, in Ohio, a doctor who performs of abortions, Ohio law required that that doctor have admitting privileges which basically means that if something went wrong with the abortion procedure, that doctor had the authority to admit his patient directly into a hospital so that she could get the care she needs, because sometimes things go wrong with any surgical procedure. And whereas the way this amendment is worded, if a doctor or a group argued that those laws were a burden, those laws would be struck down. So the irony is this amendment could actually eliminate laws that are designed to protect women who are undergoing an abortion. What exactly are the Catholic bishops telling us to do about this amendment? 
they're asking us to vote against it for sure. Earlier on, they asked us to work against it. So, you know, when the people proposing the amendment were getting signatures on their petitions to certainly not sign those petitions, of course, we're past that stage now. But certainly to educate themselves, to educate their neighbors. And the bottom line is vote against it. Vote no in November. (laughs) And what are we as a church doing to uphold the dignity of women in the church. Well, there's an initiative that we've been working on for a few years. It got, it got sidelined a little bit with COVID, but we've got about 10 parishes who are doing a good job and probably another 10 who are inquiring. And then we, we hope that those numbers expand with an initiative called Walking with Moms in Need. The church's efforts in regards to the sanctity of human life, especially at its earliest stages, has always called for the pastoral care of women in need. One of the facts is the majority of women, according to research, the women who have abortions self-report that they didn't want to have the abortion. So something that's done in the name of choice, often the woman feels she had no other choice. So the goal of walking with moms in need is to help her to recognize that she has other choices. When you start looking at the social services network that exists in our country, exists in our communities, There's a vast array of things that are available to help moms, whether they're pregnant or with small children, but to help moms in need. Dave Schmidt, Director of the Office of Pro-Life Marriage and Family Ministry, thanks for your presence on Wineskins today and for lifting up this important issue for us. For the folks who are with us, if they want more information, they can certainly go to the usccb.org website for more information. Thank you. Thank you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The Church celebrates the Feast of St. Raphael on September 29th. To tell us more is Katie Wagner. She is the Editor-in-Chief of the Catholic Echo. St. Raphael the Archangel, sometimes pronounced St. Raphael, unlike most saints, was never a human being who lived on earth. Instead, he has always been a heavenly angel. He was declared a saint in honor of his work helping humanity. As one of God's leading archangels, Raphael serves people who need to heal in mind, body, and spirit. Previously, each of the three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, had his own feast day. Saint Raphael's was on October 21st. Now, however, one day is assigned to all three, and on the more ancient date of September 29th, which dedicates the commemoration of the Basilica which was constructed in the 5th century in Rome. Saint Raphael, whose name means God has healed, is venerated by both Jews and Christians. His name appears in the book of Tobit, where he identifies himself as one of the seven who stand before God. He is the patron of travelers. In the prayers and the preface of the Mass, These princes of the angels are portrayed as ministering spirits who exercise a watchful care over us. The opening prayer of the Mass invokes God our Father, who in a wonderful way guides the work of angels and men. The prayer refers to angels in general and does not mention the three archangels by name. The antiphon for the Liturgy of Hours also lists the various functions of the three archangels as well as the role of angels in general. In the prayer over the gifts, we see another dimension of the mission of the angels. 
Lord, by the ministry of your angels, let our sacrifice of praise come before you. The prayer after communion has a reference to the Eucharist as viaticum for food for the journey. We ask to be fed by the bread of life as we advance along the way of salvation. This feast of archangels is meaningful to us because in every mass we are called upon to sing or recite the threefold holy, holy, holy with the angels. Secondly, we should recall the words of Christ. I solemnly assure you, you shall see the sky opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In closing, we pray, Glorious Saint Raphael, intercede with God, protect me and heal me from all suffering that can undermine my body, my mind, and my spirit. God knows my faith in Him, and with your help I can be relieved of all my sufferings. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. For Wineskins, I am Katie Wagner. With me now is Mary Ellen Brannigan, who is the president of the First Friday Club, and Ray Novotny, who is the director of programming. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you Thank for you. having us. You know, in just a few short days, we're starting the new season of the First Friday Club with Dr. Helen Lafferty, and we're going to talk a little bit more about her. But before we talk about the season of the First Friday Club, give us a brief history of how it all started. Sure, a brief overview of First Friday. The origin of the First Friday goes back to the tradition of practice of Sacred Heart devotion, which calls for a monthly renewal of one's faith to a more lively and personal response to God's love realized in both worship and mission. To live more fully in the awareness of God's love and presence in our daily lives and to answer our baptismal call of being sent on mission to proclaim the good news of God's love, the gospel. So First Friday Club is a mission of education. Beyond that, we also know that you have quality people that come in to inspire and to elicit that call to ministry in the church. Tell us about some of those people that we can look forward to, Mary Ellen, in this season. As you mentioned, we are starting our 17th season on September 7th, and our first presenter is Dr. Helen Lafferty, who is interim president of YSU. She is an Ursuline associate and a graduate of Ursuline High School locally. She is going to talk to us about touching the future as I live, teach, and serve. You know, what I've discovered over these many years talking with many of the presenters is their title of their speech. In their title, you kind of get a sense and an essence of what it's all about. And there's something that kind of draws you into that. And so I think some of these titles of their presentations are really fascinating. Let's also talk about particular presenters that we've had over the years, and that includes our diocesan bishop. And this year, Bishop Bonner will be back with us. So tell us what his presentation is going to be about. His presentation this year is going to center on his pastoral letter. The title is, You've Got Mail, My, My Pastoral Letter. Yes, everyone in the diocese registered household received the pastoral letter. And so we certainly encourage, and I'm sure that he will encourage those folks that received it to read it. But 
those who would like to learn more about the pastoral letter can certainly come to the First Friday presentation. And Mary Ellen, what are some other presenters for this year? In November, we are having Dr. Dan Laguinia, who just recently retired as director of music here at St. Columba, and he's also a YSU professor. And his topic, I think, is interesting also, a retrospective of music and worship, five bishops and five rectors later. Well, I think it's indicative of his long time here in the diocese and at St. Columba Cathedral working with many bishops and many rectors. And so that should certainly be an interesting presentation. There are other people that are here that are very familiar to us. Uh, tell us about some of them. Yes, in January, we have Guy Burney, who is going to talk about conflict management to reduce violence. And he is the CIRV director for the city of Youngstown. And to follow up with him the very next month is Jimmy Sutman, who has dedicated his career as being president of the Purple Cat, running adult day programs for adults with disability, which is certainly taken on a missionary role. And he started out as a journalism major out of Grove City and started out with WKBN. Well, Jimmy Sutman really is a pioneer here in the Youngstown area and has helped so many, especially those who are physically, mentally challenged, and his reach out to them and their families is really significant. So I was really happy to see Mr. Sutman here. We kind of skipped over presentation that's going to happen in December, Mary Ellen. Talk about that. Joe Torma, who just recently retired from Walsh University, is going to be our presenter, and he is going to talk about the domestic church becoming renewed Catholics. And then, of course, in the springtime, we have a few religious women that are with us in March and in April, and Ray, talk about them. Yeah, Sister Janet Burkhart is with us. She's been an educator for 35 years. Her title is Look at the Land, Sacred Experience of Earth. In the news every day, we hear about problems with the environment, and she has dedicated many years to working with climate change, and hence her title, talking about the sacred experiences of Earth. And then, of course, in April, we have Sister Melanie Svoboda, who is going to talk about Mary, the Mother of God. She is a Notre Dame sister who's coming to us, I believe, from Chagrin Falls, and she runs a blog called The Sunflower. And then we have another bishop in May who's going to come. Yes, we have Bishop John Stowe from Lexington, Kentucky coming, and he is going to talk about what's going on with the Synod and what can we expect. So that, again, should be a very interesting topic. And, of course, the summer months in June, July, and August, we have some presenters and some interesting topics, so let them know about that as well. Yeah, June, July, and August, we are fortunate that we get many educators. They work us into their schedules for the summer months. So we have Brenna Moore, who's a PhD out of Fordham University, who's talking about spiritual friendships. Then we have Father Blasco and Rabbi Schoenberger, who have worked for 35 years now with Jewish-Christian studies and relationships. We have an unusual title for him. He came up with the title of Jesus Took the First Selfie. And he has a picture of the Shroud of Torn. 
And of course, Mary Ellen, finish the season with Dr. Reynolds. Yes, in August 1st, we will have Gabriel Said Reynolds. He is a professor at Notre Dame University. He spoke to us probably about 10 years ago, and he was very, very well received at that time, so we invited him back, and he is going to talk about the Quran and the Bible. As a matter of fact, I did a television show with Dr. Reynolds when he was here for the last First Friday Club, and his insight into Islam and the Quran is quite fascinating, and I would encourage any of the folks that are listening to especially set that date aside in August to come to hear Dr. Reynolds. One quick quote, Mary Ellen, for those that are with us about the First Friday Club. We encourage everyone to attend. We're open to anyone who, you don't have to be of the Catholic faith, just anyone who is interested in any of the topics to please come. A lot of our parishes buy season tables and our organizations do the same. You can find out more information about our programs if you want to go on to our website, which is firstfridayclubofgreateryoungstown.org. And for reservations, you can call 330-720-4498. Mary Ellen Brannigan, Ray Novotny of the First Friday Club, President, Director of Programming, respectively, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing this new season of presenters for the First Friday Club. We know it will be an exciting season, and we certainly look forward to that. Thank you very much. Thank you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think Go to PovertyUSA.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. The song we have for you today is from the CD called Simple Heart. It is by John Michael Talbot. Yeah. 
And to tell us about the scriptures for this 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time is Ursuline's sister, Regina Rogers. She is from St. Edward Church in Youngstown. Last week, the gospel story was the strong, clear, and correct confession of faith made by St. Peter to Jesus' question, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, in this week's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer, that he will be killed, but he will be raised to life. With these few words, Jesus reveals the ultimate purpose of his earthly ministry. But Peter just couldn't comprehend what Jesus was saying. Peter must have been quite insistent that suffering and death could not possibly be what the Messiah would have to endure, to the point that Jesus calls him Satan. Pretty harsh words. Jesus wanted his disciples to know what was in store for those who chose to follow him. Every life has its burdens, its crosses. Jesus came and carried his cross, the cross of misunderstanding, crucifixion, and death. When Jesus tells his disciples that they must take up their crosses and follow him, he is not assigning them a punishment. He is offering the assurance that when they are confronted with difficulties, when life takes them in a direction that they would rather not go, it need not destroy them. In fact, it can have the power to strengthen them and open them to a more abundant life. Now please understand, to say that good can come from pain is not the same as saying pain is good. It is not. Sickness and suffering are evils, and we should do all that we can to alleviate them. But when evils must be faced, when they cannot be avoided or alleviated, we are called to take them up and to follow in the footsteps of Christ. In today's gospel, Jesus is offering the assurance that when we are faced with a difficult part of life and we carry that cross after the example of Jesus, it will not destroy us. Pain and suffering have the power to make us bitter, and we can turn our backs on God. Or pain and suffering can strengthen us and open us up to become more loving and compassionate. 
The question that we struggle with is how can we carry our crosses in imitation of Jesus? In the first reading today, the prophet Jeremiah lets us know that we have a right to complain. We can confront God with our anger. We can challenge God to take our cross away. To pray this way is to pray as a human person and a disciple. Jesus tells us that we must carry our cross, but Jeremiah shows us that we don't have to like it. The reality is, our crosses will not magically disappear because of our faith, but our faith can help us choose how we will carry our cross. I can complain to everyone around me. All of my conversations can be about me and my woes. But what happens is an emptiness, an anger in my heart, and blinders on my eyes. I do not see others, only myself. My suffering takes center stage. Carrying a cross affects us in the deepest part of our souls. In the midst of our suffering, we must allow our faith to operate, to help us. Our cross could be a family problem that causes us continual pain. It can be a physical limitation, or our cross can be mental suffering caused by worry about some problem in our life or in the life of someone we love. Crosses are a part of our life. Many of us know the cross of diminishment, both physically and mentally. It is easy to see our Lord in beauty. It's easy to experience God in successes or in love. But can we experience the closeness of God in the storms or failures of our life? When faced with our crosses, we choose to be more open to the love of our Lord, to follow his example, knowing that as we carry our cross, Jesus is walking beside us, lifting our burdens with his love. In prayer, may we ask God to help us carry our crosses in ways that make us more loving and more compassionate. And may we be open to helping others to carry theirs. For Wineskins, I am Sister Regina Rogers. To bear a cross means to surrender one's own plans. To pick up a cross means one has determined to believe that the meaning of life is to give away everything for God's glory. The famous theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it like this, when Jesus calls a person to follow him, he bids them to come and die. Wineskins is made possible through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda saying thank you for being with us. Have a blessed and safe holiday week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. 
That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.